I'll bet no one has ever walked out of a movie and uttered these words. The film was okay, but I just loved the list of credits at the end. Right? Nobody cares about the list of credits. We want action and, and drama and heroes and villains. We, we love the chases or the romance or the comedy, but nobody ever talks about the list of credits. Perhaps the first few names might catch our eye, but after a while, it's just a list of names that few of us know anything else about. And most of the time, we've already cleaned up our popcorn, stood up to leave, and stepped back into reality before the credits list is even done. Nobody ever talks about the list of credits. But it's not just in movies we can be like this. Even as we read the Bible, we're tempted often to gloss over lists of names. Let's be honest, lists of names never seem as sexy as leaders of nations. But I'm so thankful for this chapter in Nehemiah chapter 3 because it shows me that we've a God who is interested in lists of names. He's interested and he cares about the credits. Nothing models the kingdom of God to me more than lists of names. You see, when you read the Bible, you need to watch out for when there's a list of names because usually God is about to do something significant. For example, Genesis chapter 10 includes the Tower of Nations, the, the Table of Nations, sorry, a huge long list of people. And the very next chapter comes the Tower of Babel and the birth of languages. First Chronicles chapter 4 is a huge list of names as well. And then immediately after comes the most famous prayer, one of the most famous prayers in the Old Testament, the prayer of Jabez. Matthew chapter 1, a huge list of names. What happens next? Jesus is born. And Hebrews 11 includes the heroes of the faith. And, and just after that comes some of the New Testament's most famous words about running the race with perseverance. So watch in the Bible. When you read the Bible, watch out for lists of names. Because usually God is about to do something significant. And the same goes for Nehemiah chapter 3. A chapter that we may be tempted to skim past or overlook. Because it all just seems to be a whole list of names. But it's a passage that is much to say. So here's three things this afternoon. First of all, the project includes you. But it's not about you. Forty individuals are mentioned in this chapter. Thirteen different groups of people are included. Each person played their part in the project. It's an absolutely stunning example of teamwork. And it's clear from the passage that there was a huge diversity of people. I mean, just look down um, the verses there. There's a variety of roles. There's a plethora of skills. Some were building a tower, others installing the gates. Some repairing the, the wall and the tower. Others were putting on doors. There were those who roofed and those who rebuilt. Those who took a lead and those who supported and we find people building their section of the wall with the people who were around them. Last summer, a letter came through our door to tell us that the management company who oversaw the housing development we live in had gone into administration. Effectively, what it meant was that the large grass area in our developments would no longer be looked after, meaning that it was down to the residents. It was, it was going to be our job. After a couple of weeks, another note came through our door. This time by a couple of residents suggesting a time where we could all gather to do this together. And so a few nights later, I found myself pushing the lawnmower down to the large grass area near our home. And what a scene. At least a dozen lawnmowers in action, each tending to a specific strip. Families on their hands and knees weeding flower beds together. Old men with hedge clippers alongside petrol powered strimmers tidying the edges. There were parents offering refreshments while children ran and played together. 
and I wheeled my tiny little lawnmower and got to work on my little section. It was a tiny little section that seemed to just take a few minutes, but I made sure it was the best cut section of grass in the whole area. If I'm honest, in all the flurry of activity, I probably felt a little insignificant. When there's lots of activity, it's easy to feel insignificant, but yet I also felt included. Nothing built community more than working shoulder to shoulder with each other. And you know we talk about our dreams for community, but we don't just achieve those dreams of community by gazing into one another's eyes. We experience it by working shoulder to shoulder. And when it comes to the work of the church and the things of God's kingdom, you get to play your part. You are included in his mission. The project. It's one of the most incredible things about the kingdom of God. The all-powerful Yahweh God, who could do it all by himself, chooses to include us in his mission. In Nehemiah chapter 3, we see so many people included in this mission. And this is also a practical picture of the kingdom of God in action. Whoever you are, whatever your story, wherever you find yourself, if you're in Christ, you have a contribution to make to his kingdom. It might just feel like a tiny part of the wall, but it adds to the bigger picture. And by you building your section, you will encourage those who are building alongside you too. You know that happens in the passage. People are, are working in their own little area, but they're working shoulder to shoulder and side by side with others. The project of God includes you, but it's not all about you. You know, our names might never be known widely on earth, but when we're in Christ, our names will be listed in the credits of the kingdom. You know, if I asked you to pick out the people who contributed the most in this chapter or were most important or were the key players in the work, you wouldn't be able to do it. Because each builder and worker in Nehemiah 3 were contributing to a much bigger vision. As the city was rebuilt, the team was greater than any individual. The city wasn't built in a day, but it also wasn't built on its own. You, you know, I, I think we get far too caught up with individual personalities in the church sometimes. And we far too often miss how God uses groups of people in his kingdom. We can get so obsessed with celebrity speakers or main stage worship leaders or big selling authors or famous bloggers. But the church is not to become reliant on the abilities of a brilliant celebrity at the expense of the contribution of the body of Christ. While we exalt the names of a few, we can overlook the contribution of the many. And I desperately don't want us to miss out on the contribution of the body. Oh, the, the project is big, but don't feel you aren't included. It, it might just seem like a small section of the wall, but don't lay down your tools. I love the two phrases that we're using for this series through Nehemiah. Rebuilding a city, renewing a people. You know, if you're building a church, you, you just need a few. But that's not our vision here. When you're rebuilding a city, you're going to need an army. My wife has dragged me into the latest box set series um, that we're working our way through. It's called Madam Secretary. And uh, it basically focuses around the Secretary of State. And in one of the, uh, one of the scenes, uh, her speechwriter, uh, who usually slinks away in the, in the shadows and doesn't get an opportunity to be in the spotlight, um, has to stand up and give a speech when she is called away for urgent business. And I want to read out some of his speech in this moment. Um, it was to a university graduation, and this is what he said. He said, This is probably the first moment in my adult life that I have stood in the spotlight. 
truth be told, it's probably going to be the last. Why? Because I'm one of those people who works in the dark. In this world of self, relentless self-promotion, we've all been raised to think that the limelight is, only, is the only light worth seeking. But that's not the case. And if I can impart one small, simple truth to carry with you as you walk through these gates, it's this. Achievement is often anonymous. Some of the greatest things have been done by people you have never heard of, quietly dedicating their life to improving yours. I almost found myself in my living room standing and applauding that speech. I loved it. In the world of selfless, of relentless self-promotion, the limelight is not the light worth seeking. Be prepared to serve in the dark. The project involves you, but it's not about you. Secondly, today we see from this chapter that the project involves our gifts, but actually really it's about our heart. Look at the types of things that get included in the project. There, there was a variety of roles and talents and gifts with goldsmiths and governors, perfume makers and priests, merchants and menders. It was about everyone pitching in whatever ability they had for the greater good of the project. It wasn't that one ability was elevated over another, but it also meant that no ability was overlooked or unimportant. So too with the church. You know, we need extroverts and introverts, encouragers and welcomers. We need prophets at the back and, sorry, prophets at the front and servants at the back. Uh, we also need servants at the front and prophets at the back. The gifts that you bring won't just be needed in this section of the wall. Uh, and by that I mean this, the Sunday gathering. The project involves a multitude of gifts in other sections of the wall of our city at a multitude of times. So we need mu- musicians and medics pioneers and professors to be sold out for the kingdom of God wherever they find themselves. You know, we need those who will start businesses to create employment, those who will teach kids kingdom values, those who will bring a spirit-filled atmosphere as they lead, those who will display the anointing of God and how they build. There's a brilliant quote that Phil Emerson regularly shares, and it's this, the church that Jesus had in mind gathers together, but also dissembles itself and goes into the cracks and crevices of society in order to share Christ with the world. I love that. What a challenge and what a privilege. You substitute society for Belfast in that quote, and you begin to see the vision we have for this church, dissembled into the cracks and crevices of Belfast to share Christ. However, read the chapter, chapter 3, we come to verse 5, and and it seems that amidst all the activity and the unity of Nehemiah, that there were some who missed out on playing their part. Look look at verse 5. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work. My guess is that they didn't play their part or put their shoulders to work, not because of their lack of skills or even their gifts, but actually because of the state of their heart. So yes, the project involves our gifts, but actually it's about the condition of our hearts. And the reason it's about the condition of a heart is because you might not get the credit. In such an individualized society, we can be tempted to think that things rely on us. We can think that the church is actually about us when actually it's far bigger than any of us. This is about sacrificing our gifts and offering our passions, no matter what the outcome is. This is about giving our all and playing our part no matter who will get the credit. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I received as a young leader was this. Learn to serve in the shadows so you won't be damaged by the stage. You know, serving God involves our skills, but let's not be fooled that it's about those skills. 
It's not about our skills, it's about the condition of our heart. Read any good book about mission or talk to any experienced missionary and you'll discover this principle. God has already been working long before they got there. He doesn't need us. God will act with or without me. His purposes will be seen in the world. It's just whether I get the privilege of being part of his work or not. It's the same with us. You know, my Latin's limited, but I love the meaning behind the motto of Belfast. I'm not going to try to pronounce these four words, but it basically means, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? It's a direct quote from Psalm 116. We offer our gifts not because the project will fail without us, but we offer it because God's been good to us. We offer it as an overflow of thanks to the master of the project for what he has already done for us. The project involves your gifts, but actually it's about your heart. And lastly, and briefly, today, the project points us to Jesus. It might sound strange because because not once is the name Jesus uttered in this passage or even in the book of Nehemiah. And yet there are echoes of him and his story throughout it. Do you see Jesus in the story? The passage doesn't mention Jesus, but it all points to him. Do you remember the story that began with a long list of names? Do you see the master builder at work in the city? Do you remember the one who wept over the city? Do you see the one who lived as a carpenter and worked with his hands? Do you recall his talk about remaking the city and expanding the territory? Do you notice one who united ordinary people in community, yet met opposition from on high? Did you hear him speak about tearing down a temple and rebuilding it again? Do you remember the one who laid down his own needs for the good of the project? Do you know the one who said it's finished and completed the work he had been given? The message of Nehemiah goes way deeper than be like Nehemiah, but instead appoints us to one who is much greater. Nehemiah was comfortable and yet he was living in a palace. No position was closer to the king than the cupbearer. Nehemiah had security for the whole of his life and yet he was prepared to leave his lofty position to see a city built for the people of God. The story might not mention Jesus, but it points to Christ who was prepared to leave his seat alongside the master in the lofty palace of heaven in order to build an eternal city with everlasting foundations for the future dwelling of the people of God. So we put our life in the hands of the master builder And as we do, we trust that Jesus' work on the cross leaves us free from having to work ourselves into a position in his kingdom. The work has been done. The plan has been fulfilled. The city has been built. And we get to reap the rewards for eternity as we take our place among the city of God. Life might not always mention the name of Jesus, but it all points to him. And so as I finished today, I wondered what what might a modern day version of Nehemiah chapter 3 look like for us as a church? And I know Eugene Peterson, but I thought I'd write what I think this looks like for us as a church today. We might not be building the physical walls of a city, but we want to see the kingdom of God um, restored and built up in, in this place. What would it look like if it involved people like us? A few years' time, what might people write or say? Here we go. There were a huge variety of people who came and contributed. 
There was Dave who gave vision and set direction. There was Jamie and Stuart and Joy who, who led God's people in worship. There was Hannah Rose, Adele, Ellen and Nicole who sacrificed their time and gave their energy to stoop to the level of children to help them have a place in church. There was Helen and Dave and Rick and John who often taught God's word to the people on Sundays. There was Ross, Lydia, Connie and Scott who opened their homes and led the scattered communities. There was Linda, Sarah and Lucy who created an atmosphere of welcome to everyone who walked in the door. There were Thomas, Stephen and Ben who did so much behind the scenes when no one else was looking. There was Helen, Sharon and Morris who quietly prayed with those who needed it. There was Jamie, Natalie, Megan and Stuart who invited people in. There was Caleb and James and Clarkie who boldly went out. There were some who led from the front while others quietly served behind the scenes. There were those who did bold things in his name. There were introverts who quietly sat with the broken. There were multitudes who turned up constantly and consistently. And through this small group of people, their section of the wall was built as they submitted their lives and plans into the hands of the master builder. And as a result, there were many others, too many to name, who got to experience the city for themselves forever. The project includes you, but it's not about you. The project involves our gifts, but actually it's about our heart. And the passage doesn't mention Jesus, but it all points to him.